I'm Marianne Chan, an investment advisor of BPI, and welcome to another episode of Wealth Watchers. We've reached the Burr months, which signals the start of the Christmas season here in the Philippines. Just like how fast the days go, the Philippine peso also sank its lowest in history, seemingly with a blink of an eye. In this episode, we will be discussing the drivers and implication of the weak peso to the Philippine economy and local investment markets. We will also be tackling how the global themes of elevated inflation, tighter monetary policies, and weaker economic growth continue to take place. We held a webinar about these market events, so tune in as we listen to Daz Mercado, a resident investment analyst, as he tackles these topics. Hi, Marianne. Thanks for inviting me here. It's been a long time. And hello to all our listeners. So, Taz, tell us what happened with the peso. It's the first time we've seen that the dollar-peso exchange rate hit above 57. So, what do you think drove this? That's right. The Philippine peso last week uh, closed at 57.18 against the U.S. dollar, the highest level in history. And the main reasons why we've seen the peso weaken against the U.S. dollar year-to-date are, number one, the dollar in itself is strengthening as the U.S. Central Bank or the U.S. Fed raise its policy rates more aggressively, making it attractive to buy U.S. dollars. And number two, the Philippines is just spending a lot of dollars in buying imports compared to what we get from exports. But before I discuss further, uh, I think it's important to clarify that when we say the peso has weakened, it means dollar-peso exchange rate has risen. So we're getting more pesos per $1 because the value of the peso has weakened relative to the U.S. dollar. So I just want to, to clear that up. So other currencies have also weakened against the U.S. dollar, which reflects that the big driver of what's happening to the peso now is because of the broad strengthening of the U.S. dollar against all other currencies. And that's because of the higher policy rates in the U.S., so the U.S. Central Bank has raised its policy rates by 2.25% since the start of the year, while the BSP, or the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, has only raised by 1.75%. The more aggressive moves by the U.S. Central Bank has caused some investors to, to move their money from countries like the Philippines to the U.S. So this flow of money is causing the U.S. dollar to become stronger, so everyone wants to buy the dollar. So aside from the strengthening of the U.S. dollar, the peso is also dragged by the inherent characteristics of the foreign trade in the Philippines. From January to July of this year, the Philippines has imported $80 billion worth of goods, while we got only $45 billion from exports. So the year-to-date gap between exports and imports is $35 billion. So $80 billion uh, imports minus $45 billion exports. So that's already close to full-year gaps in 2019 and 2021 of around $40 billion. So we're importing more in terms of volumes because our economy has been recovering from the pandemic. But at the same time, the prices of the goods we are importing, like oil, have risen. And this scenario has been 
uh, driving the exchange rate upwards as local businesses and some individuals buy U.S. dollars to buy these imports. So the higher demand uh, for the dollar, the stronger the, the dollar, the weaker the peso. I see. Thus, you've mentioned how other currencies have been weakening as well against U.S. dollar. How does Philippine peso fare against other currencies? Right. The, the peso is actually lagging behind most countries. Um, as of last week, Friday, uh, the Philippine peso has depreciated by more than 10% year-to-date, making it the, the third or fourth uh, worst-performing currency among uh, Asian peers after Japanese yen, uh, South Korean won, and the new Taiwan dollar. So there are a lot of factors that go into these. Uh, countries have different circumstances. The Japanese yen uh, has been the worst performing currency as its central bank is one of the few central banks globally that plans to maintain ultra-low policy rates. So its policy rate is actually negative. Meanwhile, South Korean won is also challenged by high imports like the Philippines. And this year, it's set to report import levels above its exports for the first time since 2008. So this reversal caused a lot of selling pressure on uh, the currency. On the other hand, uh, more resilient currencies like the Indonesian rupiah uh, is benefiting from uh, high prices of commodities like palm oil uh, and coal because Indonesia exports these products. Uh, so they essentially benefited from the Russia-Ukraine war. So investors also look into the dollar reserves of each country's central banks uh, and the total dollar debt of governments and companies uh, they also consider the prospects of business or investment opportunities in the country. So there are a lot of factors uh, that go into these. But the major ones are monetary policy or uh, the policy rates and the foreign trade or the exports and imports. Thanks for that, Daz. So broadly, the U.S. dollar has been strengthening year to date and some currencies like the Philippine peso have underperformed due to certain circumstances of the individual countries. Now, how will the strong dollar and the weak peso affect economies and markets? So when we're talking about the exchange rate, there's always a trade-off. Under a weak peso, there are winners and there are losers. So the ob obvious winners are the exporters and OFW families who will earn more in peso terms. Meanwhile, losers are mainly the importers, which indirectly has an impact to most Filipino households. Imported products are now more expensive. And uh, you'll be surprised to see what we import, uh, even the, the, the basic food items. So we imported 15% of our rice requirements in 2020. Uh, we import 93% of our garlic consumption, 19% of potato, 41% of beef, 9% uh, of pork. So everyone is basically affected by the more expensive imported products. And uh, this feeds into higher inflation. Uh, eventually, over the medium term, the local economy can take advantage of the weak peso by improving our exports industry. Uh, a weak peso makes our products look cheap. Uh, hopefully, we can capitalize on the weak peso, but it may take some time uh, before we're able to build additional capacities. Uh, but in terms of the markets, in the point of view of foreign investors uh, invested in the Philippines, they already lost 10 to 12% just from the weakening of the peso. And this is not just an ordinary weakening of the peso, but the exchange rate breached the 57 level 
uh, hitting its high, highest uh, level in history. And when long-term highs or records are broken, further volatility uh, is expected. And given this, before foreign investors come back in a big way in the local markets, in the PSEI, they need to see either one, the peso to be more stable, and two, um, a big upside potential or improvement in Philippine companies. So again, uh, there are winners and losers with what's happening to the peso. A weak peso is not necessarily bad. What's more concerning is the volatility or how fast the currency fell. So volatility is bad because it makes operations and strategic planning harder for businesses, especially for exporters and importers. At the same time, investors become more cautious uh, before investing in, in our market. So ultimately, what would really help improve investor sentiment locally is for the peso to be more stable. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the weak peso having an upward impact to inflation. Since the early parts of the year, inflation has been our focus. Can you talk more about it? What's happening and do we expect inflations to start coming down? We've seen some oil prices rollbacks in the recent weeks. Right. Uh, we've seen some oil price rollbacks. Uh, in the international market, oil prices have declined as well. So in the Philippines, uh, inflation in August slightly went down uh, to 6.3% from 6.4% in July. And this is primarily from some price declines in food and transportation. Uh, while inflation went down in August, it must be noted that inflation pressures outside food and energy items have grown with core inflation up to 4.6% in August from 3.9% in July. So core inflation is a measure of inflation that strips out the impact of food and energy items. So this means that price pressures from higher commodity and energy prices have started to have an impact and diffuse into other goods and services. So we can describe this uh, as uh, inflation is, is spreading or becoming broader. Um, and the same thing is, is happening in the U.S. Headline uh, inflation decelerated from 8.5% in July to 8.3% in August, uh, thanks to the drop in gas prices. However, core inflation rose from 5.9% to 6.3%. So inflation is becoming more intense in items outside food and energy. And uh, this data release actually caused the U.S. markets to fall as investors now think that the U.S. Fed has to be more aggressive in raising policy rates to control this inflation. That's right. Uh, I remember seeing Wednesday morning that the U.S. markets fell around 4% overnight. So does, tell us more about how the markets performed. In the past few weeks, uh, the biggest driver uh, in, the, in markets has been the policy rate hike expectations. Uh, in August, after the headline inflation in the U.S. went down from 9.1% in June to 8.5% in July, uh, investors started to think that the U.S. Fed may soon stop raising policy rates because that's, that's the goal of higher policy rates, to control inflation. Um, at the same time, investors think that the U.S. Fed may start reducing policy rates in 2023 once inflation becomes less of a concern. Uh, lower policy rates can help improve economic growth. But this hope from investors caused uh, a market rally. Pause, pause, pause. The lower policy rates can help improve economic growth. 
And uh, this hope from investors caused a market rally, but this was short-lived. Uh, the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, pause, pause, pause. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and other Fed officials have reiterated their stance of continuing policy rate hikes and signaled that policy rates will remain high until 2023. Moreover, we have this U.S. inflation print in August, which shows how inflation pressures are spreading outside food and energy items. So this caused equities to fall as investors now price in as much as 1% policy rate increase next week. Uh, before this, market participants were only thinking about 05 to 0.75% increase. Uh, meanwhile, uh, local equities tracked the performance of global markets uh, with some rebound seen in August, then some profit-taking happening uh, since that rebound. Um, on to fixed income investments. As expected, bond yields uh, moved higher. Uh, given that inflation pressures have broadened and uh, policy rate hike expectations have increased. Uh, and this upward movement in yields continue to drag the performance of fixed income investments locally and globally. So overall, what's consistent in, in the past few months is the extreme volatility or the ups and, and downs in, in the market. We saw some rebound in in equity markets uh, from their lows in July, but in the past few days, markets have been challenged again by increasing policy type expectations. Yeah, so thank you for giving us the big picture and a quick review of the markets of the month of August and the first weeks of September, Daz. Uh, now, I think we have some time to answer some questions from our audience. Okay, so Daz, we have our first questions here. What's your peso dollar exchange rate forecast? Yeah, sure. Um, we started the year uh, with exchange rate at 51 pesos per dollar. Uh, now it's around 57. And uh, as mentioned earlier, what's unique about uh, what happened is the exchange rate just recently broke its previous all-time high. Uh, this means there's now no strong boundary keeping the exchange rate from moving even higher. Uh, and what would possibly uh, drive uh, the exchange rate in the next few months is how the BSP reacts uh, and responds to the U.S. Fed rate hikes. If the BSP matches uh, the Fed rate hikes, the exchange rate can end a year closer to 56 level. Uh, we think this is the, the more possible scenario. Uh, we think the BSP can, can, can be more aggressive in raising policy rates to help counter the pressure on the peso to further weaken. Nonetheless, uh, upside risks to 56 peso dollar exchange rate are there uh, with so much uncertainty in the direction and uh, volatility of inflation and, uh, of course, the U.S. Uh, central bank policy. Okay. So we also have here another question. Um, will there be a U.S. recession? Sure. Uh, Banks uh, and uh, investment houses globally put the probability of U.S. recession to 50%. Uh, and a few market participants would argue that the U.S. Is, is already in a recession. But officially, the U.S. is not in a recession now. Albeit the U.S. economy has posted quarter-on-quarter -quarter declines in GDP or economy in the past uh, quarters, other segments or indicators of the economy are still very strong, like labor data. Uh, the unemployment rate is still at 3.7%, and uh, employed persons are still increasing. Uh, in fact, 
there are two jobs for every one unemployed person in the U.S. Uh, nonetheless, it's clear that the U.S. economy is heading to a growth slowdown. Uh, inflation is forcing consumers to cut back on spending. At the same time, uh, the U.S. Central Bank has raised policy rates significantly and set to continue increasing rates, uh, which can uh, make the economy slow down. Unfortunately, this is what can help ease inflation pressures. So again, U.S. recession is one of the possible scenarios in the short term and has higher chances of happening now than normal times. And this is one of the reasons why we're more into fixed income investments than equities um, at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So we have another question here, and I think everyone can relate. Um, I am seeing losses in my investment. When can I recover these losses? This is a, a very good question. Uh, probably all investors globally are seeing losses here to date, as practically all traditional investments have returned negative. However, it's difficult to determine when exactly markets will rebound. But what I can say is that the longer you are invested, the better chances you have of recovering these losses and eventually returning positive. Weakness in markets are actually opportunities for long-term investors to buy cheap stocks, cheap bonds. Uh, market cycles go down, uh, but they also eventually recover as we have seen uh, in previous crises. And now let me share with you the the key goalpost that can help improve overall markets, um, which is inflation. Everyone, all market participants, all investors are waiting to see inflation go down. Uh, inflation is the main problem right now. Uh, central banks are forced to raise policy rates to help control inflation. And it's harder for an economy with high inflation and high policy rates to grow. Uh, so, but before we see inflation really go down in markets to improve, there are possibly more challenges ahead uh, given that risks are still present at the moment. The high commodity prices uh, in the past few months are now diffusing, spreading into food and other items. Uh, like as farmers buy and use oil and fertilizer with higher price tags, they may raise the prices of their harvest. And as restaurants uh, buy these harvests, they may also have to raise their menu prices. So this wave of price increases happening at the moment. That's why despite local inflation uh, slightly going down uh, from 6.4% in July to 6.3% in August, we think inflation can move higher in the next, uh, next months. Hopefully peaking uh, this month or next month. So all challenges in the market now stem from inflation. Uh, so as soon as uh, inflation outlook becomes better, overall investor sentiment can improve, then a market rebound uh, can soon follow. Thanks, Daz. So I believe that is all the time that we have for the questions. But before we let you go, do you have any final message for our audience? Uh, sure. Um, so while we have shared with you that we think there might be more pains ahead, in terms of markets, uh, investors uh, should not solely focus on what can happen uh, in the next 6 uh, to 12 months. The key to achieving uh, our long-term financial objectives is by practicing uh, the investment principles of diversification, investing regularly, and having a long-term view. I've been telling this over and over again, uh, I think, but this is really important. 
So diversification means putting money in different investments or asset classes, money market, fixed income, equities, local and global. Um, it doesn't guarantee uh, higher returns, but it protects portfolios from uh, the ups and downs in specific investments. So if we see a collapse uh, in global equities, maybe our investments in Philippine equities and fixed income can help offset those losses. Meanwhile, uh, investing regularly is a good investment strategy to manage the ups and downs uh, in the market. This is a disciplined approach uh, that allows us to buy at different points of the market cycle, uh, especially today uh, wherein markets are weak or low. So bond yields now uh, are relatively high, uh, so investors can take advantage and earn higher interest uh, even from uh, government bonds. The 10-year Philippine government bond yield is close to 7% now. Um, so, but, However, there are uh, volatilities, uh, of course, to be expected um, here. Um, at the same time, stock prices are on sale, uh, which can help us accumulate more stocks or units uh, for every peso or dollar uh, we invest. Lastly, uh, short-term market movements are largely driven by sentiment or what investors are feeling. Uh, which is difficult to predict. Uh, in this kind of environment, it is also ripe for in markets to, to reverse direction suddenly, sometimes without warning, uh, due to a combo of unanticipated perfect storm factors. So we must focus on the long term, especially for us uh, young ones. Uh, over the long term, 10 years from now, uh, 20 years from now, economies will likely be much larger than today. New technologies are developed. Uh, we might probably see an iPhone 34. Uh, and companies are likely bigger. Uh, so to take part in this continued development and uh, growth in the global economy, it's good to be invested. So we saw rapid changes uh, in the market environment here to date. And likely, uh, we will see more um, for the rest of the year and in 2023. So volatility is part of the investment market. So we should accept it, uh, but we should accept it smartly by applying the investment principles for us to achieve our long-term financial objectives. So that's all from me. Uh, thanks, Marianne, and thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, Das, and for answering all of our questions for today. So there you have it. To our listeners, we hope that wherever you are in the world, you are safe, happy and comfortable. We hope you tune in to our next episode here on Wealth Watchers as we continue to monitor the movements of the markets, watch out for the signs of recovery, and help you navigate these markets, especially during the very volatile period. If you have any questions, send us an email at dpi underscore asset underscore management at bpi.com.ph. Again, my name is Marianne Chan, and thanks for tuning in to Wealth Radio, Growing Wealth Made Easy. BPI Asset Management and Trust Corporation is regulated by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas.